It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's your Tuesday edition here on Giants.com. He is Jeff Fiegels at Jay Fiegels. I'm Paul Tatino at Giants WFAN. Our phone number for the next hour is 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. You can also find us on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. You can also be uh, finding the archive of this show later on this afternoon or tonight at our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere and at giants.com slash podcasts. Jeff, it has been a very eventful few days here uh, yeah. at the Giants complex. Joe yeah. Shane, the new general manager named late last week, followed by Brian Dable coming in as the new head coach. His introductory press conference was yesterday. I know you were here as I was and Schmelk was here as well. I'm here uh, now. You're here now also. For the first time. In a long time. Well, yes, but you were on property yesterday because you came to see yeah, Coach. But I have not spoke in this boom for at least two years. Do you like this better than your setup at home? Other than me having to look at you, I think that's okay. <laughs> 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 no, I do like being here. No, I, I feel like, oh. don't you? And I didn't mean to interrupt for the whole open there, but it's fine. Listen, I, this, this is like, here. this is like, this has been a time warp, right? I mean, and. The two years that it's been since we've done a show in this building, uh, there's been a coaching staff that's that's uh, been replaced, a general manager that's been replaced. Um, there's just a lot going on, and but it's good to be back. Yeah, so you know it's a little strange coming in here. Now, two takeaways. I thought the I thought the press conference yesterday was you know, if you if you want to get a good idea of how he's going, you know, Brian Dable is going to he, he's going to be a funny guy. He's going to have a lot of personality. However, I, I, I've been doing a little bit of kind of research here and there. Not research, but just kind of talking to some people. The guys know BS. So if you think you're going to be getting, you know, a kind, nice guy and, hey, you know, try your hardest on the field, do that kind of stuff, I, that's not what you're going to – if you're a player, it's going to be – you know, he runs a tight ship. And um, But it will be, be fun to watch him progress. But I, I really got a kick out of him yesterday. I think that he did an outstanding job. And then, you know, before that with uh, Joe Shane, I thought, you know, very professional, very matter of fact. What do we got to do? What he's going to do? What are some of the problems? And they got a lot of them. (laughs) I think both of them mentioned that. Hey, we got a lot of work to do here. And I think the most important thing right now, Paul, as we know, is is him assembling his staff. And that that's a big thing going through and doing some things. So we'll talk a lot about that. I know they started to do some things, but nothing official. Um, but, you know, that's I think this week is going to be kind of where all the dominoes fall and you're going to start hearing some names. Um, it will be up to Coach Dayball this week as he continues to work the Zoom. Remember, he didn't go to the Senior Bowl this week. Yeah, Coach Shane went to the Senior yeah. Bowl, but Coach had to stay behind because he's got to get that staff in order. And defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, according to the national reports on NFL Network, is back mm-hmm. for a second interview That's good. with the Minnesota Vikings today to potentially yeah. try to get that head coaching spot. Yeah, they've interviewed a lot of people. I mean, they've, they've done over 10 interviews over there. So for, for Coach Graham to get a second interview, that, that goes to show you. And remember, we talked about this last year, about him getting an opportunity maybe to be a head coach somewhere. 
And so certainly, you know, I think two years ago, his defense was, you know, very, very good. Last year took a little bit of a step back, but by far the better, I would say, of the three phases of the game, although special teams wasn't that bad, but they were had a inconsistent. inconsistent. Uh, but I think that Patrick Graham brings a lot to the table. And by the way, I mean, uh, Brian Dable obviously liked him because he said in the press conference, he will be back as a defensive coordinator if he doesn't get a head coaching job. You know, the thing that, that I look at when I think about Patrick Graham's defense in 2021, I think about the fact that they lost 150 tackles in Blake Martinez very early. Mm-hmm. I think about the fact that they lost to Brill Peppers, who was a key part of their emotions, their vocal leader, if you will, mm-hmm. in addition to a guy who was able to play multiple positions yeah. with a defensive coordinator who loves to disguise things. So you know that was a big loss for him. Whatever you think about Jabril Peppers, because I know sometimes he was a bit ragged around the edges and didn't always make the right play. I get all of that. But a a really important part of of the fabric of the Giants' defense. So two huge losses that they had to suffer. Uh, Adore Jackson was in and out of the lineup the whole time. Mm -hmm. I mean, he 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 had a lot of bumps and bruises and the COVID and everything. But those two key guys... I thought was so important to this defense, and yet they were more than respectable all season long. And the benefit was guys like Roche, Ojolari, McKinney, Love, uh, Williams, um, a whole bunch of guys started to get uh, Robinson, started to get a lot more snaps than anybody ever could have anticipated had the defense been intact like it was the year before. They had to. They had to play. And I thought that, to me, that took Patrick Graham's, for me, his grade to another level because I thought it was a very respectable defense that was put in impossible situations by this offense time and time again. Mm -hmm. Kind of wore on him. To where I graded him and his defense on a curve this year. <laughs> I really yeah. did. Yeah, no, I had I, to. I, 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 that's a good point. I mean, And given that, I'm not so sure that he wasn't doing as well a job as he did the year before, even though the stats may not prove it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you know they were kind of that bend-don't-break defense. They did give up a lot of yards. They did give up a lot of passing yards. But to be honest with you, when – when that defense tightened up in the red zone, they were very, very good red zone defense. Um, but remember, we talked about how many times did we say that the Giants could have won this game with what, the way the defense played. That was a common, common, you know, uh, topic that we used every Monday. They, they, you know, they only gave up 20 points. They only gave up 17 points. They gave up 16 points. Those are games, and if you had somewhat of an offense, you're winning football games. With a team, by the way, that I believe, well, according to one of the stat services, unofficially led the NFL and dropped interceptions. <laughs> well, that's Think why. Think about they, that. That's, you know, you know the old cliche. That's why they're defensive backs because they can't be receivers. <laughs> it's the truth, though. It really is because they're all very athletic. They all can run. Mm-hmm. They just can't catch. Mm-hmm. I mean, Logan Ryan, I mean, he's over the last couple of years, he's dropped a lot of interceptions. But uh, I think the, the main thing with the defense is I don't think it's about scheme. I don't think it's about um, it's more about how this team is able to build through depth because of the injuries that they've had. I mean, that side of the football has had their share of injuries and they still continue to play decently. So that tells me that that goes a long ways with Patrick Graham and getting his coaching staff to be able to coach these guys. And uh, 
you know, I, and he's a smart guy. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes to. We always talked about how different his defenses are on a weekly basis. And he certainly proved that point because on a weekly basis, not only does he have to adapt to the team that he's playing, but they had to adapt to the team that they are. And that's, you know, with injuries and guys going in and out of the alignment and, and, and the alignment, hello, the, uh, the lineup lineup. Um, yes. But also, you know, COVID was another factor this year um, that a lot of times we don't really think much about, but these guys are in and out of the lineup because of COVID issues too. So, and, and by the way, and sometimes it's last minute. Oh my goodness, the guy tested positive on Wednesday. Well, there's no way he's going to be able to play this week. The the only area of Patrick Ram's defense this year which I thought was substandard was the two minute drill mm-hmm. oh, because well, they had a lot of trouble stopping the two minute drill. Well, now, they were by far the worst in the league. There are two reasons for that, in my opinion. Number one, when you have a bend but don't break philosophy, primarily used throughout the course of the game and throughout the course of the season. Well, that's not their base ourselves. defense. That's, that's, just, that's what they do. Yeah. That was the core philosophy of everything that they did was bend but don't break. When you do that in a two-minute situation, you're going to give up chunks and chunks of yardage because you already have that philosophy. Now you're going to play prevent because that's your best defense anyway, Real because it's part of the yeah. bend but don't break philosophy, right? Yeah. So – I. They almost put themselves in self-defeating situations because you knew other teams were going to move the ball in that spot. So it was almost like they're probably going to get at least a field goal anyway. And also, the offense put them in some pretty curious... Horrible spots. I mean, so, you know, if a minute and 40 seconds left, the guys, you know, they're, the, the defense is put on the field halfway, and you know, the 50-yard yeah. line. That's now, tough. Now, the other thing, and I maintain this, and I've been talking about this for a few years, Jeff, when you don't have that dominant... Headache pass rusher. John says, I can't use Excedrin anymore. <laughs> you just he, did. He says Excedrin player is not good anymore. <laughs> Again, because we're two giving, of them. I'm giving out free sponsorships. Yeah, you just gave off two so, shots. So he's telling me now I've got to go headache player. Okay. okay. So, sorry, John. He's at Mobile. He can't hear me anyway. He had, probably has a headache anyways. <laughs> so, the when you don't have a headache pass rusher, mm-hmm. in those situations, the two-minute drill, when everybody in the building knows you're going to throw the ball and you don't have that one guy who you know can beat a double team and wreck it because of his pass rush to get to the quarterback, you're going to be susceptible to getting burned in those situations. That's just the way it is. And until they get one of those guys. Or two. Or two. Okay. And maybe Ojolari becomes one in his second year. Who knows? Or maybe one of those interior defensive linemen decide that they can be, you know, uh, but, force but, in the middle. You know, Leonard Williams is not a Batman, okay? He's really good, and I'm a huge Leonard Williams guy, but he's not that guy. He's just a little bit below. Mm-hmm. Until you get one of those guys. Well, they got a chance. This this situation that the Giants have is probably not going to be easy to fix. Well, let's talk about this real quickly. So I know a lot of people want to go that, you know, they want to go two offensive linemen in the first round. Got to have those two offensive linemen, Paul. The center, the tackle, whoever it is. You know, you might want to think about a pass rusher because there's a lot of good ones in the in the draft this year that can help you out in these types of situations that you just mentioned. The Giants cannot do what they did last year in the last two minutes of the half and the ten of the game to get no. It. They were outscored. They did seventy something. I thought it was seventy three to nothing. To zero. I believe that's now, what think it was. about that, folks. That's something kinda, on that area. That's hard to do. Because somewhere within those 16 or 17 games now, 
there's an opportunity for the Giants are going to get the ball with a two-minute drill and at least score a, touch, a field goal. But they didn't. They didn't. And it's just time and time again. And how many times have we, you know, the coin toss, the deferment, all that kind of stuff. The double dip. <laughs> the double dip, which uh, just it's, it, it really was hard to watch. And I think that a lot of people with these two press conferences that have been back-to-back here, I think a lot of people are looking forward to the season, uh, the building of this program again, and soon enough letting everything from last year just dissolve into the atmosphere and not remember any of this stuff because it was a torture what went on here last year, um, especially offensively. And so now, you know, and I thought something interesting that, that Brian Dayball had mentioned, which I think will have, and I think it's spot on what he said about somebody had asked him about the call plane. You know, the, calling the plays, play right. calling. And he says, well, it depends on who the coordinator is. Right. Which tells me that. But, but his preference was not to call the plays. That's right. That's right. Which puts him on my good sheet. Okay. Well, a lot of good people. It means sheet. he gets a Christmas present from me. That's what it means. <laughs> it means he's on the sideline. Well, he's going to be on the sideline anyway. Yes. But I feel like, but you know, Paul, no matter who's calling the plays, he's got the headset on. Of course he does. He's telling, you know, it's his offense. He's in the meetings. It's he's going to run that offense. Now there's there's a lot of you know guys out there that he probably would feel comfortable with calling the plays if they are so much to be here. I'm um, not going to mention any type of names, but he's got his crew. He got his guys that sure he wants. Um, and you know soon enough we'll know who that is. But uh, I just I feel like the hire of Brian Dable punched it checked two boxes for me. It checked your head coach box, and it also checks your offensive coordinator box. Even though he may not be the offensive coordinator, he is going to be the offensive coordinator. He will be the architect. Yes, that's right. That's a good word. So with that, um, you know, excitement. And I think that, you know, his offense is going to be fun to watch. I, I, and I keep telling this everybody on Big Blue Kickoff Live that we do not want to start saying to ourselves or anybody saying that, Daniel Jones is going to be the next Josh Allen. Okay, let's can we just stop saying that now? They're two different players. Josh Allen is a big dude. He's durable. He doesn't get hurt. He's a tight end. He's a he tight is. end playing quarterback. That's what he is. And with a heck of an arm. And I think that what Brian Dable is going to do is he said this about every position. We are going to design things around the players that we have here. With the New York Giants, not the Buffalo Bills. This is the New York Giants. Now mm -hmm. we have to figure out how we're going to run our offense with the people that we have here in the building. He has never had a Saquon Barkley before. Yeah. Well, I mean, you go back. I mean, he did. Okay. No. No. Yeah. He's never had yeah. one of those. Uh, I don't think he's ever had a, a, a Kadarius Tony either. When you think about, I mean, think, I mean, Cole Beasley is not a. No, he's not. So. No. 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 I would agree with you. He hasn't had one of those either. So that's what makes it so intriguing because he's a guy who is known for his creativity on offense. And now he has two play toys that are probably far beyond his wildest dreams in terms of what he oh, might yeah. be able to do with them. So somebody asked me on Twitter, and you know I've tried to explain this over the course of the last couple of shows. Well, they said, what is, he, what is his scheme? What does he do? What's his offense? And I said, no, no. He doesn't have an offense. You might as well call it multiple because he looks at his players yeah. and then figures out, okay, whatever it is that they do and whatever it is that they do well, 
we're going to confuse the opposition with our player deployment and our and our route running, and that's how we're going to run this thing. He doesn't come in saying, I'm going to be a primarily double tight end. He doesn't come in saying primarily I'm going to be four wides, empty backfield. He doesn't come in saying any of that. He doesn't come in saying I'm a West Coast guy. Doesn't come in saying I'm a vertical deep threat guy. He comes in and says, as he did the presser, we're going to look at the players we have, and then we're going to melt the offense around them. Sure. Very few guys do that. They usually come in with a system. This guy's system is simple. He's multiple. He doesn't have one. He has a base system that you have to have. He he does like to use a lot of three wides. That he does like to do. And one tight end. Okay. That that much is true, but that's primarily, what, 85% of the league these days. But what I think the advantage of what you just mentioned in this day and age, with COVID and guys being injured, it gives you the opportunity that if that's the way you build your offense on a weekly basis, that goes to show you that how adaptable that this offense can be and multiple, as you say, because if you've got two receivers that are down because they're either hurt or they go on COVID or something that they're not able to play on Sunday, you have the ability to adapt. You're like a chameleon. You can change whatever you want. Isn't that what I've been saying about Belichick forever? So he is the, the king chameleon of all coaches and it works. But here's the thing. If you're not that type of a, you know, play caller or designer, then you're you're kind of you're kind of pigeonholed to what you're going to have to do against your opponent when you have injuries and guys that are out of the lineup. Mm -hmm. So I think this is advantageous for him to run that type of an offense. It's also much more difficult for opposing teams to scout when you have such a variety of things to do with a variety of different players. Years ago. Um, you didn't play with Jason Seahorn, did you? No. Okay. He was before me. When Jason Seahorn was a corner here, I, I get the dates sometimes confusing. Jim. Close though, because he was there. I got here in 03. so he was definitely O two and yeah, oh yeah, because he played in the uh, two thousand Super Bowl yeah. against the Ravens. Yeah. Um, Jason used to tell us he wound up going later on to the Rams. I believe it had finished up his career. Jason used to tell us all the time he could not stand when the Giants had to play the Rams, when Mike Martz was the head coach. Oh, sure. Because Mike Martz, he said, you could look at four different game tapes from the previous month, and everyone was different. You could not find the same plays with the same formations anywhere in those four games. Everything had something that was different about it. There was always a tweak. And he said, "I I can't believe this guy. Every play's different. He said, how do you figure that? You go through four games, and you can't find any play that was exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And and Seahorn used to tell us that that was the biggest pain in the you-know-what. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to prepare. And all of a sudden, you get in a game, and you think you know what's coming, and it's completely opposite. It's like, where did this come from? Because, you know, players... You know, they spend all week studying film. You hear about it all the time. Get in the film room. We gotta watch film. We gotta watch film. Well, they're they're studying tendencies. They're studying well, yeah. plays. Because you know what? A lot of these guys when a team comes out of the huddle and they're in a certain personnel package and they, they line up, because of their preparation, they understand and by the way, this is it's not analytics. It's just it's just the way that things before analytics came around, there was always tendencies. That was the right. word. Right. Okay. So it's, based on film study. Yeah. So third and five or more, they have a tendency to run this personnel, and then they usually try to get the ball to here. Right. Just and it's things that are 
they were these kind of tendencies were always shot up by the computer so the guys could that's how the this is how the game plan is made the, the, the offensive coordinators, they come mm -hmm. up with these game plans because of these tendencies. Well, the players study those tendencies. So it makes it very difficult for someone like like Jason Seahorn with Mike Martz. You're studying tendencies and you got no clue. What do you do? So I'll tell you what you you just, <laughs> you know? I'll tell you as from an offense, <laughs> but there's somebody going to be open. And why do you think that, <laughs> why do you think that uh, Kurt Warner had somebody open all the time? Um, and I just, you know, sometimes these guys, they just make mistakes and, you know, you look at some of these the games over the weekend. I think there was one instance where I'm watching uh, the game, the the Chiefs game, and I mean, what are these guys doing? They're they're giving free release off the line of scrimmage to Travis Kelsey. I mean, do, I I I, mean, I, don't, I don't have to know much about football, but I do know that if you let Travis Kelsey come off the line of scrimmage with nobody covering him, you got problems. And Sure enough, that's kind of one of those things. You've got a whole new wave of pass-catching tight ends that have developed in this league in the last few years because it came in waves, if you remember. Yeah. There were, there were a bunch of them, and then they kind of went away, and now there's a bunch of them again. And yet, defensive coordinators in this league seem to be allergic to putting a guy on the tight end of the line. Well, they're going to have to. And beating the living crap out of him yeah. to make sure he Which doesn't get that free release. Yeah. It is allowed. I put it up on Twitter the other day during the game. I said, what is it? Somebody needs to mandate every defensive coordinator in this league needs to go back and watch tape of Carl Banks and how he used to beat the living crap Mug out of tight ends yeah. off the line of scrimmage so that they could not get that free release and they could not be a free first down anytime you threw the ball to them. Well, I mean, when you look at the Bengals and what they did at that halftime adjustments, I mean, that was impressive. They had less than 90 yards in the second half. Lou Anarumo. Yeah, he was here. Our buddy Lou, yeah. former DB's coach. Good guy. from Staten, Real good guy. Staten Island. I, I love Lou. Wagner guy, too. Mm -hmm. Wagner College yeah. guy. Uh, he was a real paisan. Good for him. Very good for him. And he just did a magnificent job coming out. Now everybody's going to be... You know, I'll be pulling for him in the Super Bowl. Oh, heck yeah. Heck I mean, yeah. I liked him a lot. And he Real really did job. a nice job. And he got an interview this year before that yes, game. He did. So that'll kind of catapult for him next year for maybe, you know, another hiring cycle that always comes down. You know, there's usually there's usually five to seven coaches a year. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Oh, I know. You I know. know. It That's happens. Because they overturn them so quickly these days. Yeah. Well, there's no more, no more five-year plan. Well, uh, it doesn't exist. See, in your day, Jeff. Yeah. Head no. coaches had a five-year plan, yeah. or GMs had a five-year plan. It's three or less now. Now, Bill Polian, the Hall of Fame executive, was on NFL radio a couple of weeks ago, and he said he had gone through the mathematical equations that the average lifespan of an NFL GM now is only four years. Yeah. So if you don't win basically by year three, they've already got their finger on the ejection button. Yeah, at 30,000 feet. I mean, <laughs> man, there's just no patience. Well, there's anymore. no patience because business—it's big business. It That's is why. big business, um, which leads you to you know this organization and having some patience uh, is hard. It's hard when you're when you're dealing with you know what's been going on here. So, I think there will be some patience with this with both these new hires. I think that um, the alignment part of it, I yeah. think, makes a big difference. Um, when you talk about two guys that have worked together. You know, not not every day work together, but work together in the building. They know things. You know how the, how things have, are going to get done. Mm -hmm. That's a huge that's a huge head start in my opinion because those are types of relationships that have to be developed over time. If you have a new GM 
and a new head coach that have never worked together. So that alignment automatically saves you time, which I, I believe gives you gives you a little bit of a you're ahead of the curve as far as even trying to win quicker. You know, what I mean, I, I think yeah. that they can do things together. Um, those philosophies are the same. They're uh, the way that they think are the same. To some degree, I also think, though, Jeff, that it would help if Patrick Graham could stay because those two guys could tell Patrick Graham, hey, we know you got this defense already down. All right, we can spend a little more time on the other stuff while you kind of get that squared away and keep, you know, keep your guys or, on, on track. Or Patrick Graham says to them, thank you, I appreciate that, but here's what I want you to do for me. These are the guys. These are the these are the pieces I need. You Score guys, some points. Go find them. Score some points oh, yeah. for me. Oh, by the way, uh, just work on the offense. <laughs> get me some points. Go get some points, please. But I think that you know you could go to them and say, listen, I you know I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see uh, some depth at the cornerback position. Go find me another pass rusher. Okay, um, I got some good you know the the back end of my defense. I feel like is very very good. Um, my linebackers. I mean, you could always use linebackers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blake Martinez is a guy you kind of hope you you hope he comes back two things from the injury and you know there's a cap situation here that's just right in front of everybody so you can't you can't not look at the situations when you go and by the way this is what happens to players when you unfortunately sign a big deal you at one point in time are going to price yourself out of the market. You become it, a target. You become a target. And it's, and it's no fault of anybody's. But the matter, it's just, you know, you're trying to make as much money as you can. But towards the back end or even maybe not even the back end, some of it's the middle end. <laughs> if there's a middle there's a middle point where they're like, oh, okay, uh, we're $40 million off here. So we got to start going and we're going to have to, you know, cut some fat here. And so Blake Martinez, that's, that's one of those things yeah. you just hate to see it. Because you know that it's not, it's not an ability thing. It's a no, total financial not. move for your organization, but unfortunately. Let's hope that does not happen. No, you hope it doesn't. But it's reality is that, and not only him, there's other players on this roster. And this isn't just the Giants. Mm -hmm. This is all over the place. No, that's the world of the salary cap. Yeah. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513 is the number. Doug in Rochester, you are first on the program today. Hello. What's up, Doug? Yeah, how you guys doing? Who's it, Jeff Paul? Hi. Yeah, good Hello. morning. We hear you. Um, yeah, Jeff, you was on last week with uh, with um, John and um, Lance. and I, I talked a little bit about Jimmy Garoppolo and John and Lance. You guys took it the wrong way. And this guy named Steve called after me and made a terrible comment about me. So I want to tell this guy, Steve, you listen. At least I didn't think offense coordinator Bill Byron was young because he started talking to you guys about offense coordinators. And he kind of like disrespect me, so I'm letting him know that. So anyway, uh, anyway, um, uh, the, like I, what I was talking about Daniel Jones was I wasn't like trying to compare him to Jim Garoppolo. I said that in the beginning of the conversation, and I I, I was saying if Daniel Jones um, um gets like um um the ball and, and Joe Sean are talking about. That means they're going to get an offensive line that can block, that can, um, you know, pass block and run block. You got you got guards that can pull and tackles that can pull. And you got a scamp block that runs the football. And, uh, you know, you get you get another receiver that can separate. And, you, and then you got uh, pretty much stuff in place around Daniel Jones, okay? So this is where y'all think you'll see the real Daniel Jones when he has time to throw 
And I said he has to make the throws. And, and really, you can't tell, you know, you see Daniel Jones make some throws, but in his three years, he's constantly under pressure. So now you get to, I want to see him where he has time to throw and see how he throws, you know, throws over the shoulder passes, the comeback passes. And you don't think you'll see the real Daniel Jones. I hope we do. I mean, you know that he's got a lot of talent. Um, I just think it's uh, a matter of getting him to do some things. I-, I saw some improvement when you talk about coming into the 2021 season with Daniel Jones. They asked him to take care of the football. Well, he did that at the beginning. And then he got hurt. Um, and now you're hoping that he can respond and get some, you know, to a system that will be able to cater to his, his uh, positive things that he can do and then build an offense around him. Uh, with a running game and some of those offensive linemen, like you said. So I think it's important that he has those types of things. But I think everybody's excited uh, to see a healthy Daniel Jones back in the lineup with this type of offensive system that Brian Dable and his staff brings to the table. Don't you? Yeah, I think so. How about you, Paul? You know, I think, to be honest with you, the comparison that you made earlier, or maybe you were you were being misquoted between Jones and Goff, I personally believe that Daniel Jones has a lot more talent than Goff does. I agree. Okay. No, it was Jimmy G. It was Jimmy G. Oh, the the talent between the two players. I think that Jones has more talent, raw ability. I think he's got more raw ability than Jimmy G. That's what I, that's what I was trying to say, and John and Lance kind of took me the wrong way. Well, that's okay. Right. They, have, they have their yeah. opinion. Yeah. You know, they have their well, opinion. That's on the it. kind of thing where I don't think there's a right or wrong. No, there's you not. can agree to disagree because yeah. you you know you can like hamburgers, the other guy likes hot dogs. I think that's okay. But you're asking for how we feel. I think we we the two guys here, Jeff and Paul, we we think that Jones has probably more ability and talent than Jimmy G. Now the question is, can it be unlocked? And can he put it all together on the field on game day? Jimmy G certainly has uh, a better track record of tape that he has put into the NFL so far. But that doesn't mean over the course of the next five or six years, Jones can't do better. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We'll, we will see because this is last year. And, um, you know, they, they got to do something. Well, with he's got to get it done this year. Cool. Yeah, this, this, is, yeah. this is now – the final make-it-or-break-it-prove-me chance that Daniel Jones is going to have. If it doesn't work out now in 2021, he's going to have to find somewhere else to probably do it. Well, I think that um, Gabo and Joe is going to put him in position that he uh, we can see what he can do. You know, and I want to ask something about defense. Patrick Graham got an interview with the Vikings today. Yes, sir. Um, that's yeah, that's the reports interview. that we understood from NFL Network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so... Well, I want to understand, like, a player like Lorenzo Carter. Now, he's up, his, his contract is up, too. But Lorenzo Carter, to me, like I told you guys when he first came to the Giants, he's not an edge rusher. He is a strong side linebacker. In a 4-3. You know? Honestly, yeah, you're absolutely four, right. He is a 4-3 strong side linebacker who has been misused a lot. In the, uh, in the course of his career with the Giants. Now, they started to get things going with him at the end of this season. He really mm-hmm. started to flash and show the guys what he could be or what he was supposed to be. But in reality, his best scheme fit is 4-3 strong side backer. Yeah, because I heard you guys talking about it yesterday, Paul. You know, it was like a 4-3 or 3-4. 
And you know, you were talking to John and Lance, like, uh, can Patsy Jan switch up? I was safe for him to let Carter go, and and he and maybe the ball show can see and talk to him like this guy's a linebacker. He's not an edge rusher. Maybe they could keep him and do something with him. You know. Well, as as I tried to explain to the two guys, and they didn't seem to get me right away, but over the course of time, it came full full circle. Because of the, the, the kind of salary cap moves that the Giants may have to make, and Jeff alluded to it a few minutes ago, you don't know right now exactly what this defense is going to be bringing back onto the field this year. And depending upon some moves, which may be dramatic, okay, Patrick Graham may have to tweak his scheme a little bit. He may have to because he there's a good chance he won't have the same defensive unit that he had this past year. No, he's not going to. They, I mean, they, there are going to be changes. They, they have to find money, and they're going to have to go to that defensive side because there's a lot of money over there. Think about it. A Bradbury, yeah, yeah, Martinez. Yeah. Jackson. Yeah. Williams. Yeah. There's, there's uh, yeah, a lot of money. Because, uh, Martinez and Bradbury. And yeah. It's yeah. it, it, it been on, online that he's trying to do a $40 million cap, and – he even said it. Main thing I like about Sean and Gabe, um, they, they say the, the favorite words I have said over bring in, bring in. They're not talking about players, they're talking about staff in the building, coaches. They bring it in. And for this team to be successful the last four years, the guys just haven't been doing it. So they, 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 I like it when they say bring in, bring in some players. That's what they said, bring them in. And that's what you have to do to succeed because the things got to change. Now, something's got to change in, in the Giants um, camp, you know. So, All right, Doug, appreciate the call. Thank you. We'll talk to you again right. soon. Thanks. All right, thanks a lot, fellas. 201-939-4513 is our phone number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Paul Dottino and Jeff Fiegel's with you. And you know what, Jeff? I'm not sure if we have to read any more of these announcements, but I uh, I do want to tell you fans can secure your season tickets for the 2022 season today for only $100. Limited seats are available. Speak with a Giants ticket rep now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925 and get a look at Brian Dable's New York Giants. Dable. Yep. <clears throat> right. A lot of people call him Dayball. It's Dable. Oh, Dable. It's like, it's like Bull. Yes. Like a bull in the china cloth. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Andrew, can we go back to the lines? I guess I didn't refresh this uh, this screen, so I don't see the name there. My bad. Oh, is it Abby from Nutley? Are you next on the show? I guess so. Hello. Hello, Abby. How you doing, Abby? Hey, how you doing, um, Jeff and Paul? How you doing? Hey, Paul? great to talk um, to you. Thanks for calling. No problem. Listen. Um, obviously, you know, we're in exciting times right now. You know, everything looks like, you know, it's a clean sheet. So hopefully, you know, we're moving in the right direction. We got five picks in the top 80. So, you know, it's about what I like about Shane is talking about, you know, building through the draft and make sure that we retain our draft players because, you know, you know, they, sometimes we have draw, drafted players throughout the year and it's like they don't even get a second contract for most times. But anyways, um, one thing that I'm, that I'm a little bit ticked off is a lot of people be talking about Jones, right? Saying that um, that Dable's gonna make him like the, you know the next um, Josh Allen. And I'm like, yo, that's not exactly necessary. All he has to do is be able to get the best out of Jones and be able to do the things that he needs to do. But a lot yeah, of people uh, before we go any further, I think the situation is people are looking at him as a dual threat quarterback who can throw 
especially the deep ball, mm -hmm. and can also run. I think that's where the comparison ends. So if there are similarities to some of the things that Allen has done that they can incorporate here with, with Jones, which they've already kind of done a little bit, I think that's the situation we're talking about. We're not talking about making Jones Allen. We're, exactly. saying, that, we're exactly. saying that, you know, you can buy pancakes at Denny's and you can buy pancakes <laughs> at IHOP, right? You, you, exactly. Pancakes are pancakes, well, but they taste a little different depending upon where you bought them. Exactly, and they made different too, food. right? So <laughs> the the bottom line is that people forget that you know. So in my opinion, I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is going to be the future and then he's a you know the for sure franchise quarterback. But I see that he does have some talent. People forget about the game that he got against Washington in week two. That in that game he threw for over 200 something yards. Two, two, for two touchdowns, he even ran for two touchdowns, one being a 54-yard or something run. They got called back, if we remember. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if Slayton dropped that pass, it could have been three touchdowns and two by running. And, and also the, the game against um, the Saints, you know, you see that when he has confidence that he's going to have some top in the pocket, he's able to scan the field and be, do the things that he needs to do. But when the pocket is collapsing, that's why you see him stare at one receiver because he knows he's not going to have that much time to just – scan around and be able to, you know, pinpoint and make sure that, you know, he makes the right decision. But, you know, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see, you know, hopefully um, we moved in the right direction and, you know, we start getting some wins out here because, you know, we, we definitely need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. I hear you, my man. <laughs> we'll get him. We'll get him. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank I you so much. It. Appreciate the call. Jeff, you have heard me say dozens, maybe hundreds of times, even since when Eli was here his last couple of years, somebody make a play for the quarterback. Oh. And, and, and so let me make something clear. Yes, the offensive line has to take their share of the blame. The, the running backs and the running game has to take their share of the blame for not helping this quarterback out. But how many times, again, Giants led the league and dropped passes, again. And that doesn't even count the ones that, you know, weren't, really drops, yeah. but plays that maybe could have been made. Legitimate drops. Legitimate. I like, mean, yeah. make a play for your quarterback, will you please? <sighs> and when you watch these playoff games, what do you see? Plays play everywhere. after play after play, and people go, wow, look at that great throw by Mahomes. No, 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 no. Look at that doubly great catch by Tyreek Hill. Listen, right? I, you, you have watched football all your life. I've played football and watched football all my life. You know, you can have all the greatest coaches in the world. They can be, have, you know, all these guys could have masters in everything you want to mention. Running game masters, passing game masters, <laughs> whatever it is, right? They could come from the Nick Saban tree. They can come from the Bill Belichick tree. If you do not have the players to run this great elaborate system, it doesn't matter how good it is. It's not going to work. It's, make the play. You've got to have. Make the play. Oh, here's a prime example. You always like to use food as an analogy. I sure do. And there's nothing wrong with that because we all enjoy food. That's why I use it because some, I think people can relate. But some people don't like oregano. You do. I love oregano. Uh, I know other people on our <laughs> on our on our staff show here don't like oregano. <laughs> That's okay. I I don't mind it. It's but okay. here, but I'm going to switch to a different analogy. I'm going to switch to a high performance car. You got a Lamborghini, whatever, okay. the Porsche, whatever you want to call that. Sure. And you see this car sitting there, man. It looks good. Man, does it look good. On paper, that thing is like... And all of a sudden, the owner says to you, well, you want to open the engine? Let's open up the hood. Let's see what's in here. And you look under there, and you're like, dude, 
Really? <laughs> that is a Dodge Dart engine <laughs> from the 70s. That's when I, I know this is kind of going crazy, but if you have on paper what looks great, if you don't have the players, you're never going to. I mean, look at the players in the playoffs. Those are, I mean, Jamar Chase. Okay, that's a guy that he's a playmaker, right? Patrick Mahomes, the quarterbacks. But one thing about every one of those teams this year in the playoffs, they had the guy under center that runs the operation. And that, to me, you have to have, that's the foundation of your team, no matter what. I don't care which team you are in the National Football League, Paul. You know this. It comes down to that position. No matter what. You don't win without a quarterback. And when your quarterback makes boneheaded mistakes, like when Mahomes took too much time with five seconds left in the first half, they called a boneheaded play. They should have taken the three points. There was no question in my mind. But they, they, decided, to, yeah. they decided to run a play. If you're going to make that mistake. And Eli Apple probably he finally made one play in his career. Yeah, but don't <laughs> compound the mistake by having your quarterback literally hold the ball for two or three seconds and then throw it behind the line of scrimmage in the flat. Mm -hmm. Two mistakes. Yeah. Not kicking the field goal and then making it worse by Mahomes not having the common sense enough to get that ball out in half a second. Yeah. Here's another thing. You know, we all, we always want to talk everybody that, you know, there's people that don't like OBJ, there's people that love OBJ, okay? Here is a guy that obviously was, you know, in Cleveland. He he's he wanted to be the guy, he wasn't, right? Landry was the guy. No matter what. I mean, he but he still thought he was the guy. So in his mind, he was the guy. Well, the team said you're not the guy and that was where it happened. I swear to you, when Sean McVay saw the ability to go get OBJ, he sat him down and said, listen to me. I'm going to give you a couple things here. First of all, let's get this out in the open right now. You are the number two guy. Okay? You're the number three. Or the number three. You you are not going to be the number one guy here. That's the first thing. Do you understand? And he's got the recorder playing. Yes, I do. Okay, good. Second thing, you have an opportunity you are not going to derail this team because of what you've done in the past. Are you? Because if you are, you're not going to be here. Recorder again. Yes, I understand that. So he checked the box on both of those, and he actually did that. And then the third thing was that now you're going to have an amazing opportunity because you're not the number one guy. You're maybe the one, two, two A or two B, whatever you want to call it. But you're going to have an opportunity to be kind of like the number one guy because you're not going to get double covered like the number one guy. And we're going to get you the ball. Now, if you can adhere to those rules, then you're going to help us try to get to the Super Bowl. And that's what's happened. That guy's been great. Hasn't said a word. You know, he kind of got a little bit crazy when he made one of those first downs. And he started mm -hmm. to go into a little bit of OBJ mm -hmm. kind of antics. But I think he caught himself. So, I mean... But my, I guess where am I going with this, Paul, is that you got to have playmakers. You, you got to have playmakers on your team on you both did. sides of the football. You had a bunch of them in 07. Yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah, because you know what? You had them all over the place. You had them at the defensive line position. You had them at the linebacker position. You had them at the cornerback position. You had them offensively. You had the guy under center. I mean. <laughs> you had a Hall of Famer under center. Let's not kid ourselves, okay? As great as Eli Manning was, Tyree had to pull that ball in. Sure. Playmaker. Smith. How to convert that third down mm -hmm. by pulling that ball in and making sure he got to the yeah, marker, yeah, right? Yeah. All yeah. right. I mean, you got to do those things. You got to do. You you need when you throw a pass. There's got to be someone on the other side who holds it in. It doesn't matter what you do throwing it. Somebody's got to catch it. But here's the thing that here's the thing that bothered me in the playoffs. Okay. Joe Burrow. 
behind that offensive line. That offensive line for the Bengals is not good. No. Nine sacks and wins the game. I know. How do you get sacked nine times and win the game? Now, I know there's people, and I, I'm with them. Think about Eli in San Francisco the, in 2011. Well, he got pummeled, but just, and he still won that but game. just think about this offensive line for the Giants the last few years. Oh, I know. There, there is still chances that people have to make plays, okay? And, and yeah, is, is Daniel Jones Joe Burrow? No. Not even close. Yeah, but see, the Bengals don't lead the league in drops like the Giants do every year. Well, they also have T. Higgins. They also have Jamar Chase. Okay, mm-hmm. these are legitimate Boyd. These are guys that I mean, the, Mixon. Any, any Mixon's one of the, pretty good. Yeah, well, any one of those guys could go somewhere else to the receiving cores, and they could be they. And, and by the way, the 49ers, look at their receiving core. Okay, so put Daniel Jones behind that offensive line, and with a running game like they have, and those receivers, there's going to be production. I'm just, uh, you see where I'm going here. You got to have playmakers and you got to have guys that protect your quarterback offensively. The Giants just, I mean, that's where they have to improve. All right. Uh, 201 939 4513. Phone bank is full. We go to Scott in New Mexico on line one. Hello. You're next on the show. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? All right, Scott. Scotty, where's the train whistle? Can uh, I hear the train whistle once again? I like to hear the train whistle. I haven't heard it in, in months. I, I, Do you know I what I'm talking about, Paul? Next time, I, huh? I All right, next like next time you call when I'm on here, I've got to hear the train whistle. I love it. Okay. All right. Uh, I think you both made very excellent points. Uh, Paul, I kind of agree with you a little bit in regards to the defense, even though they gave up 416 points this year, but you have to grade them on a curve. Only because they were put in situations. That, so, what kind uh, of grade do they get on the curve? Perfect. Do they get a B or a C plus? What? I think a B. Uh, I, it was hard uh, to when you know psychologically that your offense can't score. It has to put an undue burden on your defense, and I think that showed in a lot of the seasons, a lot through the season. Um, well, they get an A for I not pointing think, fingers. I can tell you that. What was that? I'm sorry. I said they get an A for not pointing fingers because they could have easily done that. Right, right. But the, but if uh, if Joe Sheen's honest and he wants to save some cap space, obviously some of those players aren't going to be there, and you're going to have to replace them with players, which nobody's talking about. And who knows if they're as good as the players they're letting go. So that's one issue. But my main issue that I wanted to talk about was uh, Daniel Jones and. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows the history of Troy Aikman, but if you look at his first two years in the NFL, brutal. Troy Aikman was lucky he was in the third year of his. Of his of he was brutal. Year. Scott, before you go anywhere, he was, when he came out yeah. of school, Bill Parcells told us in the press room, I'll never forget it. Parcells said, this guy Aikman, he's going to be the real thing. He, he knew right. that Aikman was going to be the next superstar quarterback. He was sure of it. And even during that rookie season, Bill never wavered. Because you could just see the talent, right? But but he stunk the first two years. To be the performance stunk. That's true. But the talent was always there, right? Uh, but here here's the rub for me with Daniel Jones. I always go back to Vince Lombardi uh, because he's like the guru for me for for coaches, mm-hmm. and he always said that leaders are made; they're not born. And the real key is: are we putting undue pressure on? Daniel Jones, because he has he has to read the newspapers. He has to know the pressure that's been put on him. He's had three coordinators in three years. Uh, he's been injured. He has uh, he has the tools. Uh, he, I saw that in the first year, very similarly to a Troy Aikman, but he didn't have the line, and now you have offensive linemen that you need to get, and nobody's really talking about that that much. 
you need four, potentially four new offensive linemen. We're not sure of some players who are even coming back. So the real key is to build the offensive line, which everybody concurs. But my real question is, there's an undue amount of psychological pressure on uh, Daniel Jones. And how does Brian sort of alleviate that uh, and say, look, throw away, you know, we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're going to try to develop you into the quarterback we think you are. And how receptive is he going to be to that? Because he's going through the mill with so many different guys. Does he have a choice? So I, mm-hmm. No, but I wanted to know if they have a plan for him. Because it's all right to say, yeah, we want him to be better. But do you see that they have to develop a plan? In other words, do they have to use his ability and scheme, as I think Jeff alluded to, have players that fit into a scheme that Daniel Jones can take advantage of, and that was my main question. Is that Scott, the essential? Yeah, I'm going uh, to I'm going to let point. you go and have have Jeff answer in a little bit of a roundabout okay. way. Thank you. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Jeff, you remember when Eli Manning got here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he took my jersey. Yeah, but there were people <laughs> who also said maybe he's not going to live up to the potential that Ernie Acorsi thinks he's got. Well. They changed out John Hoffnagel, uh-huh. who was the offensive coordinator. Kevin Gilbride was the quarterback's coach. At the end of the 2006 season, with a game to go, Tom Coughlin said, Hoffnagel's gone. Gilbride's the new OC. Okay, Chris Palmer was, was, became the quarterback's coach that offseason. Okay? Right, right. And in 07, with Gilbride as the OC and Chris Palmer as the quarterback's coach, all of a sudden Eli Manning took his game to a whole nother level and became a champion. Now, I'm not asking you if the same thing's going to happen to Daniel Jones, but do you understand how there is a mechanism by where a new coach or a new coordinator, if he's on the same page as the QB, and we know that Kevin treated Eli like a son, it can make a difference. Well, think about the years in the league that Eli was when that happened. You got four, five, six, seven. His fourth year, he was a champion. Okay. You got Eli Manning. I mean, you got Daniel Jones entering his fourth year. So Jeff says Jones is a champion this year. They're winning the Super <laughs> well, Bowl. No, I did not say that. Uh, but I will tell you that I can't imagine that there is not going to be some sort of improvement. Um, because, I mean, literally, I mean, we have seen – I don't think we've seen enough good games out of Daniel Jones. We've seen far more worse games than we have good games out of Daniel Jones. Um, but that's not all his fault. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's just times when things just haven't gone well for the offense and it just hasn't been all his fault. But to my point, I think that if you have an offense that now is going to be built around Daniel Jones and it's, and it's this year, cause this is what they're going to do. Right? No matter what you think, this is what they're going to do. They have no choice by the way. And really, when you think about it, they only have one quarterback on the roster right now and mm-hmm. that's your guy. You know? Although no one has even talked about the fact that Jake Fromm actually came from Buffalo. <laughs> there you so go. quite honestly, the yeah. GM and the head coach know about Fromm, and who knows, but maybe he will be back on this roster again. Well, he might be, but remember, he was a fourth-team quarterback up there. So we don't know. So we don't know. But, however, he is has some familiarity with Brian Dayball offense. He knows it. Which, by the way, he was up there for two years, mm-hmm. right? He sure was. So. Two years, and, and and correct me if I'm wrong, two years is more than six weeks in it an is. offense. It is. So, it, to me, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if Jake Fromm is back with the Giants, and why wouldn't he want to be? 
right? I mean, he's got it way ahead of the curve, learning a system, what have you. So, but back to my with Daniel Jones, you know, I think that there's there's an opportunity for him to, if he gets some players around him, which he does. Remember, you mentioned it earlier, Paul. Brian Dable has never had a running back like number 26, okay? Um, he's had receivers, okay? He's had a quarterback. Um, he's had offensive linemen, you know, but by the way, four years ago, that offensive line was putrid in Buffalo. So, um, but I just, I throw caution to the wind for so many people who all this thing, they seem to think that Brian Dayball in this offense is going to be the savior for Daniel Jones. He still has a lot to do himself. Mm -hmm. So um, I think they will put him in a good position to succeed, but there's going to be a lot of things around him that needs to happen too. It's not just all on Brian Dable and, J and Daniel Jones here. It is all kinds of different other things that have to happen, particularly with that offensive line. We've got a little bit less than 10 minutes to go. We'll go a little over because we started a few minutes late. We go to line two. Marty, you're next on the program. Hello. Hello, Marty. Hey, guys. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Uh, Good. Well, you how are you? Front and Good. I seen you yesterday front and center at uh, Joe Dable, uh, Brian Dable's uh, press conference. Seemed Marty, like you couldn't get a word in. He's like you couldn't get a word in I, I hate to tell you, I practically live here. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah he but does. I didn't think you could get a word in Edgewise. There seemed to be one of those guys uh, that wanted to, you know, take over the whole uh, press conference on his own. But oh, uh, that's our dear, dear that's, friend from Channel Four, Bruce Beck, who kind of monopolized right. some of the questions. But, but Marty, to be frank with you, I get to talk to all the Giants people like Jeff does and, and, and John. We get our share. We get our share like during the week. It's not necessary for us to start peppering people questions at press conferences. It just doesn't make any sense. That's why yeah, you, don't, that's why you that never hear us during the presser. Yeah, I was thinking at myself that, you know, you probably had a little more access. Uh, exactly. Than the other, it's uh, one of the writers, benefits so. of the job. Yeah. Uh, I was just curious. I wanted to ask Jeff uh, what, what he's doing there. I thought he was going to be down in uh, Mobile. Well, you know, we had a little bit of a conflict, unfortunately. Um, this uh, John was the only one that could go this year, so maybe maybe next year it will happen. But uh, I know that tomorrow John is going to be back with us. We'll be starting to talk about the Senior Bowl on Big Blue tomorrow through Friday. So, yeah, wasn't able to make it down there. But, hey, I don't think that thing's going anywhere. Maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I, uh, so I guess John hasn't sent anything back. Uh, no, he's, he's working diligently right now. So uh, he will have tons of content. The first practice is happening right now yeah, as today. we speak. Right. So, yeah, he'll, uh, he'll have a bunch of stuff. He'll and it's exciting. And, by the way, you know, if you, if you start reading a little bit about the senior ball, people are really, really excited about the quarterback position because it's the first time they've had, you know, pretty much almost all the quarterbacks that are going to get drafted this year, per se, that are they're at, they're there. And so that, that's important because I think that's the biggest for me in the draft. I, 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 nothing is sexy about the quarterbacks to me this year, but maybe they change things around. And you know they always do. You know what I mean? They always kind of seem to, to, to shoot up the board a little mm -hmm. bit after these things happen. But uh, I, I, I just I love listening to the reports from there because I think that's a true, really good competition there. And, and by the way, it's, it's a good chance for some of those guys from the, you know, from the FCS schools that get invited there to be able to try to compete with some of the big-time college players. It's a great opportunity for everybody. See, I also dig the East-West Shrine game, which is on Thursday night. That's yeah. another game that I watch. I just watched the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl okay, this just weekend. this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to me, you know, to just go on Senior Bowl, and I get it, that's the big one. Well, those are your – those are the – But the other, the other two were still important for me to watch. Well, I mean, because you have a lot of guys that you know – 
if you will, you know, at the lower levels that you guys cover. And, um, but for me, that's the senior bowl to me is because those are your first three or four rounds. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. thank you, Marty. Yeah, Marty. Hopefully, thanks, guys. hopefully thanks for calling Be in. Good. Montrell from Miami. You are on line three and probably the last caller on the program. Go ahead. From Miami. Hey, <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> uh, hey guys, how you doing? I just uh, Hi. had a quick question um, for for Daniel Jones. I, you know, I definitely, I love the hire with Joe Shane and, and Babo. I'm very optimistic about everything, uh, but my my concern is uh, I really want to see these guys successful. I, I definitely want to see Daniel Jones successful, but how much? Because Paul, I heard you mention uh, a few days ago where you said that. Uh, the owner, John Merritt, Steve Tisch, they kind of want these guys to speed it up a little bit as far as showing some production and wins. And so I want to know as far as Daniel Jones, because he's not their guy. You know, they, they didn't draft this guy. So how well does Daniel Jones have to play in order for them to have some sort of evaluation as if, okay, we're going to give him a major deal or because this is this guy, you know, Two coaches have been fired with Daniel Jones, at quarterback. And I really don't want to see this happen with Dabo and Shane because they, they, didn't, they didn't draft Daniel Jones. So I, I really want those guys to have a fair chance at their guy. So that's why I'm, I, I'm very excited uh, and, and willing and hoping that they give Dabo and Shane extra years to at least bring in their own quarterback if Daniel Jones doesn't work out. So how, how much leeway you think Daniel Jones might have? Not much. <laughs> I don't think he has much at all. No. I, he, he's going to have to play exceptionally well um, and make some strides in certain areas where they can understand that the, if this guy can play in these certain areas, then we understand that we can go forward with him. But I feel like he's got a, you know, one of the callers coined this phrase. I, I haven't heard it before, but, you know, new eyes, new guys. And that's to me, is what's going to happen here. He's going to have to do extremely well for them to be able to be in his corner. He doesn't have to be an all-pro. No. But he's got to do enough no. for Shane and Daybold to believe that they can win with him. If they are sold on that, it behooves them to continue to build with him and tell John Mara, we need to get a new deal with this guy because we want to run forward and succeed. But it's a lot, though. If he doesn't, if he doesn't give Daybold and Shane that belief, then to be frank with you, I think Daniel Jones is the one who's going to be shown the door a lot quicker than the GM and the head coach. Oh, there's no question. Because the chips have been put in their bin, yeah. not on Daniel Jones's table. And, you know, when May comes around, one would think that the, the option for the fifth year for May Daniel 2nd, Jones— May 2nd, by the way, is the May date. May 2nd. Is, that's probably not going to happen. But if all of a sudden Daniel Jones is their guy, they feel like they're going to make the next step, well, they're going to have to sign him or they have to franchise him. And by right. the way— you see what, how much money these quarterbacks are getting? The franchise tab for a quarterback is going to be still a lot of money. Yeah. And so, you know, so they're going to have to make a financial decision on a one-year tryout, if you will, with Daniel Jones because if they're going to, they're, you know, they're going to keep him around next year. They're either going to have to extend him. Well, or, I think if they him. see enough by the end of October, by the middle of the season, if Shane and Dable get a belief that he's the guy or that they can win with him, this is why that's to me that's the litmus test. Yeah, see, to Do me, we I don't can agree. win with him. I think they're gonna wait. I think they're gonna wait the whole season. See, and they might. Yeah, I don't know. We see what we don't know. Remember, is, they're just not going to find money in the middle of the year, Paul. They're still going to need money. Yeah, but what you do is you would sign him to let's say if he uh, wants to. 
Well, that's the other thing. Now he's got to figure out, does he want to gamble too? Yeah. That, that's why there's a lot of, of irons in this fire. There's almost no right answer here, to be honest with you, because well, it could go so the, many the different one, ways. The one certain thing is, is that, if, he's, if he stinks, he's not <laughs> going to stick around. We're not to we talk about that. it. Yeah, that, I think that's the only thing that we know yeah. if it's going to happen if he doesn't pr- produce. And, and by the way, I, I feel like if he's just average or above, it's not going to work. They're going to move on because, like I said, it's new eyes, new guys. They're going to bring in – they're going to go to the draft. And, in, and by the way, it will give us some indication because we're going to get the draft before Daniel Jones plays another snap. Right. When they're wheeling and dealing possibly in the draft, it's going to give you some idea what they're wanting to look forward to in 2023. Or if they're trying to protect themselves. Correct. Yes. So that will tell us a little bit way before he plays. There is one way, Montrell, that if, if, if they believe – by the end of October that they can win with him and they're willing to do a new deal. Now they may not remember there are some GMs that will not talk to a player about a contract yeah. until the season's over. And you'll have to go back and look at so uh, we don't Billy know. Bean and, and, and see how they kind of did things up there. But however, just because Billy Bean did that doesn't mean, doesn't Shane mean that Shane's going to do that. Correct. He's going to have his own philosophy. But, but here's what they could do. All right. And this is sometimes what you do with a guy. What you'll do is you'll sign him to an extension where you are able to rip up the current deal that he's got, give him a little extra money in there, and by tacking on the extension, instead of giving him like a three-year contract, you give him a four-year contract that's only a three-year extension, and that helps you finagle the numbers on the cap to where you can still keep yeah you could still keep your first year's number low, yeah. so that the Giants could still fit him in, okay, if they wanted to. A lot of creativity. There's a lot of creativity. That's why you have a, a cap guy. You a need capologist. a cap guru to do this stuff. A capologist. That would be Kevin Abrams. Montreal, don't you wish that we had that much money to worry about so you had to deal with caps? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because I, I really want these guys to be to be successful, but I, I want them to have a fair chance. You know, I, I don't want them to, a couple of years from now, I think they're going to have a fair chance. Yeah, you know. I know how the fan base is and in the media and everyone, you know, I, I, I don't want these guys to, to be shown the door with Daniel Jones as their quarterback. Give, at least give them a, these guys a chance to bring in their own guy. Montrell, I, I, gi- I give you this without speaking for management here. It is my wholehearted belief that the GM and the coach mm-hmm. will have a better chance of outlasting Daniel Jones than the other way around. Yep. Okay, Good stuff. Great. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank Thanks you, for calling. Yep. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. Jot it down. You can always get us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live every single weekday. We are live on Giants.com from noon until 1 p.m. Eastern time. And then you can always catch the show on the Giants archives, your Apple archive, all your favorite podcast platforms and Giants.com. Do you have closing thoughts before we pack it in? Uh, no, I thought it's been a fun week, and I think that you know this only being Tuesday that we're going to find out a lot about the coaching staff going forward. I mean, mm-hmm. think about uh, you know Brian's got to he's got to put a staff together pretty quickly, and because you know free agency is right around the corner, so they got to start you know this staff has got to start doing some their due diligence and looking at their at the team to figure out what they want to do. Uh, you know, we can talk all we want about the draft, but the free agency's first, yes. and I feel like. The Giants, and so the salary cap cuts. And I was going to say, we're going to have to see what happens because the Giants, need, they need to make, I, I believe they need to make one splash. I think that's all they're going to be able to make. And where is it going to be? I, I would think, I'm hoping that it's going to be on the offensive line. And then if they were to draft an offensive lineman, then you got three-fifths of the puzzle that I could deal with. Okay? There you go.
That's I, my finest, final thought for we'll today. We'll see if they can find that money, Jeff. It may be more of a sprinkle than a splash. <laughs> there's a lot of people here that are able to find money. <laughs> Poor Jeff Beagles. Unfortunately, there's other people that when they go finding money, people are, do not like it. <laughs> yeah. For Jeff Beagles, I'm you, Paul Potato, folks. Thanks for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll catch you next time.